So we're talking about what it is to be a fully loving family. There's something terrifying about being fully known. There's something incredibly overwhelming in a wonderful way about being fully loved. And so what's going to happen two weeks from today as we gather for a celebration of the resurrection of Christ, we're going to really start to dig deep into that particular revelation. You are fully known by God. You are fully loved by God. And there are a couple of things that I've just felt like the Lord was stirring in me from the beginning of the year that I'm to launch forward in, um, just releasing something in our, in our hearts on Easter Sunday morning. And uh, just, I just want to encourage you, be praying and prayerful in that approach. The, the names are on the crosses. You know, some people have put the sticky notes. You'll see those little sticky pads on your, there are at least two on each row. And uh, at the conclusion, we're going to worship. I'll invite you to write people's names that you're praying for and put them on those crosses. And when we meet here Tuesday mornings at 6 a.m., we pray over those names and focus in on that. And we just want to ask God to cultivate hearts, prepare hearts, as we then offer invitation to invite people into a place of understanding what the gospel of Christ really is all about. And as we then together start to explore more of what God has in store, I'm going to share with you some things today about spiritual warfare that's probably unlike anything you've heard about spiritual warfare. Uh, it's really a unique perspective that I think is vitally important for us as families to understand. So I want to just go back to the, the basis verses that we've been talking about here. Nehemiah 4.14, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. You know, last week I talked about how important it is that we fight for our families and how I, I've tried to put a puzzle together once that somebody played a joke on me and put the wrong lid on the box. And when I was trying to put the pieces together, looking at the wrong picture, then it was very difficult. And you and I live in a society that's, that's given us the wrong picture of what a relationship is really all about. And it's really difficult to put the pieces together. And I want to say fight for your families. Fight for your families. The family you don't fight for is the picture your children will never see when they're trying to put the pieces of their lives together. It's very important that we understand the value of the fight and how to go about that in that process. Our families and our households should be influenced and blessed by God's love as our first priority. God's love as our first priority. So I want to encourage you, pray these verses that we're talking about each week over your friends, over your family, over your household, whatever that family looks like. We're not just talking about natural family. We're talking about spiritual family, each other, one another as a, as a congregational family, and those that you know God's really connected and cross paths on purpose in your life. And I want to go right to the kingpin focal point in Ephesians 3. You have the verses there, but I want to go to that last verse, verse 19. This says, you know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, so many times we splash a verse to make a point, but I believe the power is not in the point, the power is in the word. And so let's not just try to use the verse to get to a point. Let's discover the power of what God is saying in his word, that you would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. God wants to fill you with all the fullness of God. That means he's not merely wanting to conquer your emptiness. He wants to put all of his fullness within you that you cannot contain. Therefore, you will overflow and not only your emptiness be conquered, but you have the power to conquer the emptiness of every, every person on the planet. Do you know the power of the fullness of God that exists within you? 
Come on, draw that into your life. Release that over the next generation today in our praise and our adoration and our worship in Jesus' mighty name. God wants to release something significant within us. In the final verse, foundationally, we've been looking at, and I just invite you to pray this verse over your life, over your family, over your friends. For, this is the way I do it. In the mornings I get up, this is my most prayed verse in the last three years. For my determined purpose is that I may know Jesus, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. What a beautiful expression. My determined purpose, the reason I live is that I may know Jesus. How do we know him? Progressively, we become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. And then I begin to pray over my family, over my wife. I speak healing to Tracy right now, who's watching us online at home in Jesus' mighty name. As for me and my house, we're going to declare the word of the Lord will prevail. How about you? There's a way we fight. There's a way we respond to circumstances and situations that come our way. And I begin to say this over my, over my marriage and over our girls, over our family, our household. For our determined purpose is that we may know you. I thank you, Lord, that Tracy's determined purpose is that she may know you. I thank you that Faith's determined purpose the reason she exists is she will know you. Thank you, Lord, that Lexi's determined purpose is that she may know you, that we all may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with you. Do you understand the power of what I'm talking to you about doing? How many of you hope your family grows closer to God in the next year? Do you understand hope has never been nor will it ever be a strategy? Hope is not a strategy. What are you doing to advance the kingdom in your own heart, in the culture of your own home? Take up his word and begin to make those bold declarations over those that God has entrusted to your care. Be, be diligent in your spiritual discipline and make sure you have fun. I want to talk to you about a very important element of spiritual warfare that perhaps you've not really seen with a lot of spiritual value. But it is really important that you make time to have fun with the people that you love. Write it in your first blank. I want you to process and think about this. As believers, we don't forget to be Christian. We forget to be human. As believers, we don't forget to aspire to spiritual advancement. We understand that's what we should be doing, but we forget the practical side of our spiritual lives. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but your practical life is very spiritual, and your spiritual life is very practical. There's something deeply spiritual about your practical life. I say it often, especially when I'm traveling, I like to say this statement because it's just so funny. Do you know why I kiss my wife? So I won't kiss yours. That's why I kiss my wife. There's something very spiritual about the romantic element of our relationship when I kiss my wife on purpose a lot, and I do. And so should you. Just husbands and wives, go ahead. Give them a big kiss right there. Do it. You're sitting next to them. If, you, if you're sitting next to somebody and you just want to make out for a moment, just. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the very beginning, in the very beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth. Two realms. The heavens and the earth. Which one came first? 
the heavens. The spirit realm gives birth to the practical physical realm. Therefore, your first responsibility is to take care of yourself spiritually, but a close second is to take care of yourself physically, which then empowers you to be able to take care of yourself spiritually better. There are two realms, the spirit realm and the natural realm, and they are heavily intertwined in so many ways. And I want you to see it today. I, 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 it was interesting listening to Jeff and where he was going and talking about, and then Pastor Chris gets up and where he's going and talking about. And you know, it's always God having a conversation with us. We're not here to hear a speaker. We're here to encounter a Savior. He wants to have a conversation. I believe God's addressing some issues of depression today. I believe God's addressing some issues of emotional exhaustion today. I want to just challenge you to think about this because there's a perspective, a challenge that I have for you. There, uh, first, let's, let's hear it for some great men of God in Scripture. I want to give you three great men of God. So first, we're going to give it up for Moses. How many of you agree he's a man of God? Come on, let's give it up for Moses, mighty man of God. Elijah, come on, let's hear it for Elijah. What a mighty man of God Elijah was. How about Jonah? He was a mighty man of God, Jonah. Man, those are mighty men of God. Elijah, Moses, and Jonah. You know one thing that Moses, Elijah, and Jonah all had in common? They came to a point of depression where they asked God if they could die. You know, I, I sat in a meeting yesterday morning with a group of men, many that are in this room, first and third Saturday at 7.30. They meet down at camps downtown, Oklahoma City. And out of that conversation, several, I actually was sitting there taking notes, some things I'm going to share Wednesday night. I was just listening to these guys. And uh, one of the things that someone said in the group was, I don't think people realize how common depression really is. You know, I, I was reading like a, some periodical once, and it said, depression is the common cold of the psychological realm. Did you hear what I said? Moses is a mighty man of God. Elijah is a mighty man of God. Jonah is a mighty man of God. And all three of them came to a point of depression where they said, God, I just take my life. It's over. I, I mean, it's just... I, I, I want to just say, it's not on your sheet. You might want to write it down. But the purposes of God are greater than the problems you're facing today. Don't ever forget that. God's purposes are always greater than your problems that you face today. And it's not uncommon. Maybe, you're, maybe uh, you've thought that's pretty uncommon to come to a point of just feeling that there's lull. And I mean, I, I want you know, we're kind of on a high. I've been walking around looking at the space back here. and I mean, just amazing. I'm so excited about it. You know what I've learned over the course of living life for a few years? When we buy a home or, or you know, if you get a new job or when you get married, you know, there's something chemically that goes on in your body. You do realize that. Your body starts producing these chemicals and it cannot sustain the production of these chemicals. Therefore, what happens is you get on this high of your body producing these chemicals and then your body says, oh, I'm tired. And it drops off and you go from a high to a low. Has anyone ever experienced that before? Don't be shocked. Don't be surprised when that happens in your life. That's normal physiological understanding of your body. Now, what I want to point out to you is something that happened with Elijah. 
We won't look at all three of these guys. You can look them up and find out where I'm referencing. But something really significant that happened to Elijah, like God used Elijah mightily. Elijah stands on a mountain, calls down fire against all these individuals that were standing completely opposed to God. And like God used him mightily. So he's on this incredible ministry high. And out of that, he runs down the mountain scared to death because he hears that Jezebel wants to take his life. So he goes from an absolute high to a total low, and then he goes and he, he like finds a place, and he just lays down, and he says, God, just take my life. It's really interesting, because earlier in the text, you read the exact same word, uh, the exact same phrase. Earlier in the text, he says, he says I'm, I'm Elijah, and I'm of God, and all these prophets of Baal are standing against me. But he was rising up in strength and power. And now he's over here in another place saying the exact same thing. I'm Elijah, and I'm from you, but all these prophets of God, they've risen up against me. Isn't it wild? The exact same phrase with totally different courage existing in his heart. And now he's just saying, God, I want to die. And this is, this is where we pick up 1 Kings 19, verses 5 and 6. Then Elijah lay down under the bush, and he fell asleep. And all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate, and he drank, and then he laid down again. Something deeply spiritually significant about what we've just read. Let me give you, this is the way it works. I'll give you a little modern day vernacular. So Elijah, he's like, God, I'm so mad, I want to die. And God's like, you want something to eat? Why don't you take a nap? And then Elijah felt much better. Write it in on your blank. Never underestimate the spiritual value of a snack and a nap. There is great spiritual value in having a snack and taking a nap. Can I get a witness in there? (laughs) Now that seems to be like warfare when you look at what happened and the result as, as this very practical element of what was taking place. He was exhausted. He needed to be replenished. The angel didn't wake him up and say, be delivered, thou man of God, from the spirit of depression that exists within you. He didn't say any of that type of stuff. I'm not saying that can't be the case. Sometimes it is. Sometimes you need to fast and pray and declare God's word and be able to discern the difference of when you're having a spiritual battle and when you're having a natural battle. When the devil has come against you or you've just been so dumb, you didn't even need a devil because you've not been taking care of yourself. The angel said, eat, be refreshed. Something spiritually powerful about taking care of yourself on a physical level. We need to take care of ourselves spiritually, and we need to take care of ourselves physically. See, you cannot fight spiritual battles in the natural realm. Agreed? And you cannot fight physical battles in the spiritual realm. Both are significantly important for us to understand. Praise on through. Praise on through to conquer, you know, that stress that's going on. Praise on through. I I agree. Praise on through, but eat right and get rest, and you might try some exercise. That probably help your stress too. I'll guarantee I'm preaching a sermon this morning that can really help some people. (laughs) 
If they'll embrace it and be willing to walk it out. It's, now, I know if I could just get in a prayer line and somebody pray for me and be all done and I wouldn't have to exercise, that'd be much better. <laughs> We're all looking for spiritual shortcuts, and many times that causes us to neglect the reality of really what God wants to do. Amen. I want you to think about this statement. This is, this is a pretty statement, pretty incredible statement. Exercise is the most overlooked, underutilized antidepressant that exists in our society. I mean, there's something about just getting your heart rate up that causes your blood to pump, that purifies your system, gets toxins out, sweat. How many of you have not sweated in a while? I mean, come on, you got to sweat out some toxins. You, if you don't do that, then, then actually it has the capacity physiologically to kind of confine and restrict and, and create things that are negative vibes and, and uh, you know, that which is going on. with you, you really need to, every one of us needs to eat right, get some rest, and, and give some consideration to how we're getting some form of exercise just to help us move forward in that. And, and, and there's this incredible uh, science. I love this science because I personally am a real optimistic, positive, you know, hey, let's, you know, this is awesome. It's going to be great. I mean, that's kind of me. In the morning, I have to apologize because I greet one another with a loud voice, and the Bible says it's a curse, and if there's one verse, I could ask God to strike from the Scripture that particular verse, because I'm loud in the morning. I love morning. I wake up and just want to be loud, and not everybody appreciates that. <laughs> but I discovered this science called gelatology, and gelatology actually describes how laughing creates a sense physiologically of an internal jogging. And it has health benefits. Isn't that funny? Like, laughter has health benefits. It even, even the science goes so far as to say, you don't even have to laugh for real. Like, you can fake laughter and get it. <laughs> are you faking or are you doing, I can't tell. But neither can your body. Because, like, you start laughing, you know, and there's this internal jogging. There's a, a kind of a jiggling of your gizzards, I guess. I don't know. But something in you, you know, starts kind of, it, it increases your, your heart rate and your blood flow. And, and so what I learned from this, since you don't actually have to think something's funny to laugh, you can actually laugh on purpose. I, I, I learned this phrase. This is great. You might just post this on your social media this week. Forced joy is better than genuine depression every day of the week. Come on. And I, I wish I had heard this when I was younger. And again, this is part of what I want to try and do on Wednesday. So if you're single and you're not even married and don't have kids, I invite you Wednesday night be good for you to hear some of these things because you need to get something seated in you at, an, at a young age so that you kind of get the picture of, of where to go and how to get there. And, and I heard Rick Warren uh, recently speaking about crazy adventure night with dad. Oh, by the way, Proverbs 17.22 says, uh, Mary Hart does good like medicine. Isn't that interesting? Gelatology teaches us by science that laughter is healthy to our bodies. And then we see in Scripture, a Mary Hart does good like medicine. So it's really important that we learn to laugh together. And so this is really, you know, kind of made me think of this when I heard Rick Warren talking about what he called uh, crazy dad adventure night. Crazy Dad Adventure Night. I mean, just the name of it alone sounds like this is good. I, I could do this. Crazy, I mean, just, you know, so Crazy Dad Adventure Night. And what Rick Warren said, pastor of Saddleback in, in California, he said it would, he'd always wait till just after midnight. He didn't do it very often, 
But from time to time, he would wait until just after midnight. He would turn the music on and start turning on all the lights when the kids were little. And when they heard the music after midnight and saw the lights, they knew, number one, it's crazy dad adventure night. Number two, we're not going to have to go to school tomorrow. I know, I know our principal is right over here. I just ask your forgiveness for suggesting such a, an irresponsible thing. But, but they knew when they heard the, the, the sound and the lights right after midnight, it's crazy dad adventure night, and we're not going to school tomorrow. And, and Rick said he would actually get the kids up, and they would be stoked, you know, like, whoa, it's crazy dad adventure Again, we're going to do this. And then he said sometimes it was as simple as just getting in the car and going to like a 7-Eleven and getting the cheapest ice cream they could get, and everybody just eating ice cream and talking and doing nothing together as a family. He says, sometimes it would be as elaborate as having gotten a hotel room that night, and they were prepared to go and get a bubble bath in the jacuzzi, and everybody gets their swimsuits, and they, in the middle of the night, crazy dad adventure night, they go and they sit in a bubble bath in their swimsuits as a family, and they're just talking into the night. The night. Can you imagine like, how much fun your kids would think that would be? Like, just because they don't have to go to school, they're going to think, you're awesome, man. You are awesome. <laughs> Stressed, tired, worn-out families are not fun for children to come home to. Amen. Stressed, tired, worn-out families are not fun for children to come home to. God wants you to enjoy life, not merely endure it. So this week, you know, we believe in celebrating the presence of God in wonderful ways, but we are a people who translate that into a practical, natural realm. I'm talking to you about something so central and core to me personally and to us as a family. God's presence, the spirit realm, real life, the practical realm. You and I are men and women of God who bring God's presence to real life, GP2RL. That's what that's all about. Both those realms are so important. So every week, we don't want to just get inspired by a message. We want to translate it into action. So we bring God's presence to real life. This week, I want to ask you to bring God's presence to real life. Translate the word into a space of action by doing some type of creative family adventure. I want to challenge you this week, in the next seven days, before we come back next Sunday, create a fun family adventure for your family. I want to give you a few ideas. Has anyone ever seen Disney, Pixar, up. It's incredible. Uh, I mean, there's something about just watching the stages and seasons of life in that opening scene that, oh, it's just heartbreaking. But, but there's, you know, like so many, so many crazy good messages in that. And like there's one time where the kid's talking about, you know, I used to sit on the curb with my dad and just eat ice cream and and I would count the red cars and he would count the blue cars and we would see who counted the most cars and he kind of dropped his countenance and he said I know it doesn't sound like much fun but it was really amazing that's why I want to say this to you the best portion of your life will be seemingly insignificant moments spent smiling with people who matter to you the most like 
just time together because you matter. So important that we make that time. So maybe watch up this, this week with your family and just talk about what everybody's observations are. That, that might be something you could do. Have a game night, you know, have a game night. Do like for real game night. Turn off the digital apparatuses and get out that archaic old school scrabble, you know, some, some type of game, I mean, age appropriate, whatever. Uh, you know, have a game night this week, just like family game night. You know, if the kids are little, you have to come up with something else, uh, but, but have a game night. Take a walk and make it into a scavenger hunt. You know, we used to do this when the girls were little. Again, some of these are things we'll be talking about on the Wednesday night. I'm going to give you a couple of ideas. Because when the girls were little, we would just go for a walk and we would say, all right, everybody pick three things we have to find. So something like a rock the size of your thumb, a leaf the size of your hand, a stick the length of your arm. You know, just make up something. And the walk is not just walking, but it's looking. And whoever gets the stuff first wins the scavenger hunt. Maybe you just walk first for five minutes you set a timer on your phone. Nobody say a word. Just walk in silence for five minutes and make observations. And then after the five minutes of silence, share what you've been paying attention to. Uh, it's just anything to create a sense of adventure and enjoyment. And finally, another idea, family meal. Something very powerful about sitting around a table and asking, what do you feel God might be speaking to you right now? Something very powerful about that. Something very powerful about your children and asking them, who might be on your heart that we could pray for? Because many times that's how God speaks to us, by just simply putting somebody on our heart. And you begin to introduce your children at a young age to what it is to hear the voice of God and listen to the Spirit of God and walk with God. So Father, I ask that you would seal these words in our hearts and just shine a little light in each of our lives, Lord, where you're wanting us to bring focus and attention, I pray. And I pray, Lord, for each and every person in this room, each and every family represented here in this place. Help us, Lord, to keep our spiritual lives well intact. And help us, Lord, to devote ourselves to keeping our physical lives well intact as well so that we could become more effective at everything that you've called us to. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. So I want to I ask you as we're concluding today, uh, I'm going to ask you to pray the ripple prayer. Let me explain what that is. In earth, throw a rock in the water and then it ripples. So the splash is you. And then, like, your first ripple would be your closest people to you, and then the next ripple, the next one, and so on. I'm going to ask you to pray a ripple prayer. First, we're going to begin. Let's get our hearts before the Lord. How many of you in here right now, you say, I know my heart's not where it needs to be in my relationship with Christ. Can I just see, just like, real quick, thanks. Yep. Yep. So, that's the first thing. Thank you. First thing we want to do, because honesty is really important, isn't it? Like, just be honest. <laughs> It's all good, man. It's great to meet you today. I'm glad we connected right up there in the, in the lobby. First, first Sunday here. Decisions for the Lord. And once we get our heart right, then we can begin to pray for those closest to us and then the next and so on. So let's all stand together. <clears throat> let's all start with our own hearts, with our own minds. 
And let's acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Are you ready for this? Let's all declare it. This is an ongoing communication that we're having with God that begins with the word that was made flesh. Jesus came that we might have life. We are all, as a result of Adam and Eve, in desperate need of a Savior. And when we accept Christ, it initiates a conversation that God continues to have for the rest of our lives. So everybody say it with me out loud. Lord Jesus, you came. You lived. You died. But you're alive. You are who you say you are. You're the Savior of the world. And I need you to rescue me from my sins. Be my Savior and be Lord of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate this King of kings and this Lord of lords. Lord, we acknowledge that we need you.